Good day. Welcome to the Trendy Place. This is the Trend Podcast with Justin A. Williams, and I'm here to bring you content from all across the spectrum. And today is no different. We have jazz legend and a hero of mine in the jazz space, Andre Ward. I am very excited to talk to him about his new album, Africa Rising, about what, well, one, the why he chose to bring jazz and the sounds of the continent together. It's been done before, but maybe not in this way. And then talk to him a little about some of my favorite songs from the album, like Casualty of Love and Still, and of course, Kiss of Life, which he does as a rendition of a Sade song. So, Andre, how's it going, man? Uh, I am well. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I, I am just as excited to be on, on uh, this show and the podcast as well. So thank you for having me, uh, and thank you for listening. I, I appreciate the support. Awesome, awesome. Of course, you know, my journey with jazz starts off when I was uh, a kid. I was in fifth grade, and it was the mid-90s. And, you know, smooth jazz had really started to hit its peak uh, around that time in terms of commerciality and radio play. And we had a radio station called CD 101.9, for any of our listeners who remember that. And my mother, who started this company that this podcast is under uh used to focus on a lot of jazz artists sorry there's a lot of jazz cds just coming in to this stage to the station to the to where we were in the office and a lot of them had this kind of uh what, what was new to me was this kind of very melodic sound the sound of jazz that could be focused primarily on the saxophone and when you came out, you know, you were just such a, uh, not only a big hit, but in my life, listening to your music and what you were able to do, because I'm a drummer, you know, naturally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't really play around with melodies a lot, but I love a great melody. And I love someone who just knows how to strike the right note at the right time. And not only do you accomplish that, but my first question to you is going to be just, how, how, how do you do what you do? You know, how does it come about? Is it, do you, do you think a lot of it is mostly from, I know you went to the Berkeley School of Music. Do you, do you know a lot of a lot of that comes from training, or do you think when you're playing, it really is really about feel? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's a combination of both. Um, you know, music is a universal language. Mm -hmm. uh, we all speak the different language, but it is a universal language. But with with music, because music should come from your heart and soul, mm -hmm. um, it should be. Uh, one telling their story musically. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, and when I say I think it's a combination of both, because yes, you need the technical aspect and the kind of know-how to navigate as to what your heart and mind is saying that you want to say. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's important that you, you know, have some of that training, but you also got to come from the heart because, you know, you're, you're describing your life experiences. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I do think it's very important to have a combination of, of both of those. And, you know, it's really just telling your story. And if hitting those right notes at the right time <laughs> happen to be, you know, on point, uh, it, 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 it uh, really means a lot to me as a musician that people feel my music. Because, you know, I mean, you, we can hear it, uh, you can turn it up loud and hear it, but can you feel the music? Are you yeah. feeling the message that I'm trying to get across? Yeah. Right. I think a lot of times people assume that there has to be words for the yeah. message to come across. But sometimes just kind of hearing consolidated sounds of, of vowel, of, of kind of, you know, wordless music can, can give a quality of just kind of peace 
You know, mm-hmm. when when I listen to uh, this album that you have, uh, Africa Rising, uh, it's so different than kind of the music that comes out usually when people do do these kind of fusion records. A lot of times when people do fusion records, you can kind of tell, okay, this is the part where the African part's coming in, and mm-hmm. this is the part where the jazz is, and this is where the American, you can piece it together. But with your album, you know, and maybe you can talk to, was this a conscious thing? It's very well blended. It's it's blended in such a way where, you know, I say to myself, this is really something new and 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 synergistic, right? You take something that is is very uh, different and complicated. People, you know, there was there when I was in college, I I, I studied music uh, in a class, and a lot of the classical artists of like the nineteen fifties and forties were very racially minded. And they said that African music was like savage and African music was just simple drum beats. But people like uh, Ginger Baker, who is a drummer of Cream, and people like Sun Ra really come out and prove uh, that that African music is very complicated and complex. Mm -hmm. And that it's... You know, we say African music, but music in Africa is so diverse, you know, and and I'm just wondering, how did you tether all this together? Did you did you go to Africa? Did you did you go to different places? Did you take time to learn different styles? You know, so uh, great question. So first of all, I just you know, I do want to make a point that, yes, it's complex. But, you know, going back to the universal language, you know, music uh, and the, the reason why it's a universal language, because we all need that diversity in order to make that language. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you need you, you need the, the com- complex African rhythms. Uh, you need um, the European vibe. You, you need all these different vibes to really come with that universal language. So I just think it's important that, that we all contribute uh, musically in order to get that message across. Um, you know, my approach, and, and this this was a very interesting uh, and fun project to put together. But, you, you know, Justin, one of the biggest compliments that I received was from Valerie Simpson of mm-hmm. Ashford and Simpson. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, she said, you're not a horn player. And I said, whoa, <laughs> whoa, mm-hmm. what did I do wrong? Yeah. She said, you're a horn singer. Wow. And wow. I said, oh, wow. And she said she can hear the lyrics and, 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 uh, and, yeah. and, and the vocal um, rendition when I play. And it was a it was a huge compliment to me because I love and study. I just don't study, you know, the, the sax players, the Charlie Parker, the Cannonball, the Sonny Stitz, the Coltrane, which I love. But I've always, you know, like Oscar Peterson, Sarah Vaughn, uh, I, I, I wanted a different texture, a different approach on how to sing or how to get the message across. Um, and so I study a lot of vocalists. And so to hear that, that was a great compliment. Mm. And so with this particular project going into it, you know, we wanted to have a Concept, concept that was different. We wanted to make music that was from the heart and soul that it just wasn't one genre of, okay, here's your smooth jazz. Mm-hmm. Okay, just here's your R&B. You know, because uh, I, I love some Bach and Beethoven. Mm-hmm. I, I love the classical. So I wanted to kind of incorporate all those different elements within this project 
with the goal in mind of really musically the message of supporting and empowering uh, Black excellence. Mm. And, you know, really going and listening to a lot of those African rhythms, really going here and, 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 and kind of digging deep with the R&B, uh, keeping my jazz roots there, you know, keeping some of those nuances with the strings, uh, with the classical support. And, you know, um, when you say, you know, uh, it was, you know, seems to be put together well, even from the sequencing, we strategically <laughs> did the sequencing with, you know, starting uh, with Classy Lady and going right into Kiss of Life. And so, you know, it, it was a meaningful project, um, definitely coming, you know, out of COVID. But uh, and I also want to acknowledge, you know, you can't do it. There's no I in team. Right. Um, had a great team uh, with vocalists in there, uh, Chantel and, um, you know, um, Ronnie Song came in as, as, as doing some production. So uh, it was really a team effort. But, you know, our approach was really to come with something different, uh, but, but musically that could reach everyone and not just one genre. Yeah, that's fan uh, the way you describe it is so fantastic when you say when she says Valerie Simpson says that you're you're a singer. Uh, you know, that 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 really puts it all together for me. I've never heard it expressed that way. But that's really kind of what separates, I guess, the great melodists, right? The great people who can find a great melody and, and people who who kind of struggle with, with that is that you you I don't know if you've ever heard any throat singing. But throat singing is uh, an ancient form. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's an ancient form of singing, singing that's found all over the world. And it's it's no like 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 saxophone, there's no lyrics really. It's just kind of what people would describe it as kind of randomized vocalizations of sounds from the human voice, but it's deep, deep in the throat and it's played like an instrument. And even when people are moving their mouths and singing that way, um, they, 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 you get this kind of sense that they're playing something. You know, sometimes when people sing, especially a lot of times when people sing now, there, there's this sense that they're kind of mumbling, right? That they're kind of like the sound that you want is this kind of, and I don't make this take a shot at anybody modern <laughs> yeah. now, but you know, there's a lot of pop stars that have come out in the past 20 years where they have this kind of airy mumbling kind of sound where you're not supposed to know what they're saying. And mm. that, that is what's appealing about it. Right. Mm. And I think where that, that hurts us is we lose the power of enunciation. We lose the power of just, you know, when the note hits the word correctly, it's very, very powerful. One of my favorite bands, um, totally different genre than jazz, is this band, it's very new, called Sleep Token. And they they do this, they do like this kind of R&B heavy metal, which I've never heard before. But it's great because the way they, the way the lead singer, he doesn't have the greatest voice. He's like Hendrix, mm -hmm. but it's, 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 it's his diction. It's, it's, the emotion he puts behind certain words that really is really, really special. And what I really captured on your album was that I get that quality, you know, I get that quality of, I've, like you said, I really feel like you guys took your time on this. Like you guys mm -hmm. didn't rush this, yeah. you know, is that the feel that you wanted people to have that you really were letting this thing marinate for people? And we wanted uh, it to be meaningful. Um, mm. Even with selecting <clears throat> the vocalists, um, you know, you can bring in all the ingredients, but they all need to come together in order mm -hmm. to come out with the right dish. Right. And so even with thinking about um, 
you know, bringing um, Chantel and Well, Don't Ask My Neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, which is a great song by itself. Anytime we do a remake, we're not trying to outdo the remake, just have a different option for listeners to listen to. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, uh, we wanted to have that certain voice. I mean, there's a lot of great vocalists we could have brought in mm-hmm. that could have nailed that. But would it have been the right temperament? Would it have been the right vibe, mm-hmm. the right softness, the right nuance? And so, you know, when we thought about this project, A, we did want it to be different. B, we even spoke with, you know, those involved before. Mm-hmm. And, and we said, listen, here's the goal that we're going for. That way it can give them a sense of, of now how can they use their talent to help us reach this goal? Because mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to give them, you know, just kind of the, 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 you know, what we were going for, what the sound, what the feel. And so I think that was very helpful. But yes, you know, the goal was to absolutely come up with something different, but something that was meaningful that listeners could listen to and, and feel it. I mean, I, I just think it's so important that you can feel the music, but music should be felt as just as important as being heard. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. And, and one of my all time favorite groups, which is Earth, Wind and Fire. Yeah. You know, they always had those elements. Philip um, Bailey. Yeah. That spiritual connection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about a definition of a band. Yes. Um, I just always looked up to them and, and really tried to uh, continue to learn from 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 their brilliance. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very past looking as well. My music interests, for the most part, too, very nostalgic. I used to at a very young age, about four years old, I started listening to adult music. Wow. You know, my my <laughs> my my grandparents would play a lot of Earth, Wind, and Fire, or they play a lot mm-hmm. of. Um, they play a lot of maybe some Phil Collins, but they'd also play Temptations, The Spinners. Um, and then my mom would always play CD 101.9 because she thought that'd be a good radio station for children, right? Because this is <laughs> this is before you know, my sisters six years later were listening to Radio Disney and mm-hmm. Sesame Street and all that stuff. But me, my mom didn't have anything that was really like for kids, so she played a lot of jazz. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, 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 jazz for me really reminds me of that time when I was just coming into life and just coming to understanding what's what and your first crush and then, you know, your first heartbreak and all that stuff. So I turned to this, these records that were, that were there. And I, 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 is that how you fell in love with jazz too? I mean, how did you come into jazz as opposed to other music? Cause I know that, uh, you started off as a drummer and then you yes. also, can play flute, right? You can play several different instruments. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're, first of all, your music vocabulary is like this because you've been, you've been introduced at such a young age. Yeah. So you were able to absorb all of that music. Uh, you know, my love of jazz, I was very fortunate. Um, humble background. I'm from Chicago. Um, we had a very thriving uh, arts program uh, mm-hmm. within Chicago public schools. And uh, my parents allowed us to, I, I, I like to say, go find ourselves. You know, if we wanted to play baseball, here, go play baseball. If you mm-hmm. wanted to do this, go do that. So they gave us an opportunity to try different things to go find ourselves. And I uh, was able to take the opportunity to try uh, some musical instruments at one of the after school programs. I started with drums, uh, you know, it was fine, banging on it. Then I went to trumpet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just I, I can truly say it wasn't until I picked up the saxophone that I really felt 
at peace. I felt a connection. I felt, mm-hmm. you know, this is me. And so with that, I started, you know, gravitating towards saxophone players. And, you know, of course, Charlie Parker, one of the first ones I started studying, uh, John Coltrane, um, you know, which is amazing because the things that those musicians were playing back then, we still can't play today. Yeah. <laughs> we're still trying to play. So I fell in love with jazz, but I said when I when I got to Berkeley, you know, so many great players and good players around, which was great because it, it pushes you. But I started saying, well, you know, everyone here sounds good, but what separates, you know, you mm-hmm. from this? Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started getting into wanting to develop my own sound and my own style, mm-hmm. um, not taking away from any genre. I wanted all of that. I wanted mm-hmm. the classical. I wanted the bebop straight ahead. I wanted the R&B. And it's all of those collectively, which has, mm-hmm. you know, transcended and kind of made my sound who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but jazz would jazz and, and, and gospel will always be my foundation. Uh, gospel music is something that I grew up uh, in my home listening mm-hmm. to a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those two will always be my foundation. But, you know, it's nothing for me to get up on a Saturday and cut on some um, Beethoven Fifth Symphony or something mm-hmm. of that nature with a cup of coffee. Sure. Uh, I, I just enjoy all the uh, all the different elements. There's always something to learn. From, yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I just came out with my first book and, um, nice. uh, you know, with writing, it's the same way. I, I have, I like so many different influences and so many different things to absorb in. And I think that when you are a creative person and you push out um, your product, especially when you're new and you're first pushing out your product, you're thinking of, okay, how can I stand out in the market? You know, if you have any business sense, I was raised by two business entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. If you have any business sense, you know that you have to diversify yourself in the market. That's and right. how do you do that? Well, you don't do that without risk, right? You mm-hmm. don't do, because it's the person that can perfectly emulate someone else that has a consistent job forever, right? <laughs> my dad my dad used to say that like Duke, uh, Duke basketball players, they'll always have a job in the league because they know how to, they know how to copy systems. Mm-hmm. Coach K knows how to copy, make you copy a system so that even if they're, only Shane Battier, right? Like mm-hmm. Shane Battier was drafted number four or three in the draft, expected to be like, you know, a star, but he was a role player. Mm-hmm. But he played in the league for, I think, for about like 18 years. Yeah. You know, yeah. you always yeah, get a paycheck. Guy. But then you have those people who come out and they say, I'm going to revolutionize something and it's going to be risky, right? Because if mm-hmm. I, it's more like, I don't know if you remember uh, Terrence Trent Darby. Um, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. He came when he came out, man. His his music was so different than anything that was being played at the time. It was a fusion of of R and B and pop that that was, you know, a lot of people when they fused it, they tried to be like Michael Jackson. But when he fused it, he had this very rootsy bluesiness to it. Mm-hmm. And then you know, after ten years, you don't really. I still listen to him, but a lot of people don't really listen to him anymore. Yeah, and I think. You know, it's it's hard to stay consistent. It's hard to stay out there in the game. So for someone like you, how have you been able to maintain your own original sound, but yet for so long, right? Yeah. And for me, it's, it's uh, understanding that change is necessary, but change is good as well. Mm-hmm. And if we don't evolve, 
um, we will get left behind. Right. And, you know, I look at different eras of when the bebop era came and Duke mm-hmm. Ellington and all of them, they kind of changed the landscape. Um, of, but then it's just like when rap, you know, hit the scene. Right. It really changed the whole landscape of, of, of music and, and that mm-hmm. era. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, keeping keeping my heart and 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 ear focused on the sound on, on what I want to sound like, but musically, you know, you have to understand that you have to change. Um, because if not, you get left behind. You know, it was something very interesting to me when when Miles Davis um you know who again was a was the 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 father of cool jazz, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you look at the towards the end of his career, he was doing stadiums with with rock bands behind yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he started out in a little jazz club, but at the end of his career, this is where he was, and why? Because he understood you had to change. That's where the music, you know, right. was going and. And it was just amazing on how he was able to make that shift mm-hmm. and still fit in with yes. his same sound. He didn't change his, his sound. He changed the musical elements around right. him. Right. And I just thought that was brilliant. But it was also an, an educational aha moment for me mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, because had he not changed, he would have been left behind. Right. You know, He still would have been one of the greatest and historically Mm -hmm. Uh, in all of our books and minds. Yeah. But he was able to, to, to make his career just even stretch even longer. So, yeah, yeah, it's about, you know, adapting, making change. Some of us, some people are scared of change, but but change is necessary, but change can also be good. You know? Yeah. Have you ever heard the word pastiche? Uh, I can't say I have. What's the meaning of it? So, um, I first. Person- how do you spell that? Pastiche. Uh, pastiche. It's a French word. P a s t i c h e. I think is how it's spelled. Okay. I first encountered the word. I was watching um, Dear White People. I think it was a show, a movie that was on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. it, had, it had Tessa Thompson in it. Basically, uh, she goes to college. She's a biracial girl, um, and she joins. Wants to join. A, uh, or her boyfriend wants to join a club, a comedy club called Pastiche. Mm. And they're explaining what it means to, to, to her. Uh, she's this girl that's obsessed with kind of civil rights movement activism. And this guy explains to her that, like, yeah, you're obsessed with it. But, like, look, Malcolm X is on a, on a stamp now, right? Che Guevara is on a T-shirt, <laughs> right? Like, the, what happens to so many people, even the greats, you know, in our society, in tons of different genres and walks of life. They become pastiche in a way. They lose that initial effectiveness um, Mm -hmm. that makes them so radical, and they become something that's so household, right? They become something where it's, uh, you you can purchase them in a, on a, on a ginger ale bottle, right? It's Mm -hmm. like one of the things that I hate so much about commercialization is that a great song like Every Breath You Take uh, by Sting is now a song for a mutual fund. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and what i love about jazz is i think jazz i think has a teflon identity to this Mm -hmm. i think you know whenever whether you're listening to jazz in the elevator or you're in the mall or you just hear it on a commercial or you hear it in a concert there's something um 
very, very cathartic about the sound of, of jazz, the like Miles Davis, the fusion of different instruments, really improvising together that I think makes it immune to that kind of sense of, well, this is passe or this is losing its punch. Uh, do you agree with that? Or do you think that maybe in some ways that, um, like everything, you know, like hip hop is different, totally different now than it was when I was in high school, that mm-hmm. that that it, it has grown a bit stale? I think music in general, all the genres, um, there's still that core element that's in the music, mm-hmm. but because of the times, you have to change. And so mm-hmm. I, I do think that jazz is still in jazz elements. It's still in all the music today, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's a, it's a different time. Right. I do think, you know, what you, when you look at rap, yes, rap is different now than what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but those core elements of, of rap is still there. Mm-hmm. They're just manifesting in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, that, that goes to, you know, having to change with the times, having to elevate. Now, the thing about elevation is that you should be changing for the better. Mm-hmm. You know, we take this solid foundation and how do we continue to build on it? Mm-hmm. Um, I can say not everything does that mm-hmm. because you do have some where it's like, well, you know, if you want to pay homage and you want to pay respect and certain things you should leave alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because you don't do it justice, but you know, just making sure that there's a respect for the music there, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's still there because you know, we look at we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for those elements, mm-hmm. you know, with the Charlie Parkers and and all of those laying some of it down, or just some of the earlier genres. Rap wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for some of the early rappers taking that risk, yeah. like you said, of doing something different. And a lot so, of them use jazz. I mean, Gangstar, yeah. Nas, uh, Big Daddy Kane, all of them had songs with saxophone, trumpets yeah. on them. Uh, uh, yeah. mean, you, you may not hear a lot about sampling as you used to, mm-hmm. but sampling is still going on. Yeah, you know? yeah, they yeah. are still taking pieces from some of those old older right, tracks. Right. I mean, you, Cool and the Gang and Earth, Wind and Fire continues to be staples in a lot of this new music yes. from sampling. Yes. Yeah, yes. and if it's not sampled, it's still you can hear it's you can hear the ghost of it and different music. You know, like even though uh, Ed Sheeran, I think, was just in a case yeah. where he was being sued about uh, "Let's Get It On" and his song. Right. And um, yeah, you know what they the jury said that it's not copying, but it's close enough where you can say you know you definitely know that Ed Sheeran was in some kind of Marvin Gaye mode listening to that when he came up with that song um yeah. i think he even used to to merge the two together while he was playing at concerts so um you know a lot of music i think could use some jazz you know i think a lot of music could could use a lot of what you do and your and some of the best of your contemporaries do which is you know you experiment you 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 don't just do your own songs you cover songs you do uh, there's so much virtuosity to 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 the jazz genre and and what i miss about um what i miss in our culture i teach um at a local high school here in, in new york and you know the music the music's dying man 
I mean, the, the, they, they do not spend the amount of money on music. They do not. Um, people are not as excited to go into a band room and there's no mm-hmm. and the instruments are not right mm-hmm. or 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 the the te- maybe maybe the teacher's not right right you know it, it's 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 what do you teach in at the uh the, I, is it high school yeah yeah i teach yeah, college you, and career readiness yeah nice um I, I i mean it's it's just wonderful to hear i've always been a champion of education um I feel that we all have to give back because you and I are having this conversation because we had role models and opportunities that was given to us. Um, You know, whether that's, you know, solid home foundation Mm -hmm. or just, you know, those outside. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always, you know, pushing to give back. But, you know, the unfortunate part is that whenever there's these discussions around budget cuts, mm-hmm. the arts are the first ones to, to be looked at. Yeah. And the arts are so important right. when developing the whole student, the whole right. child, because right. it's such an expressive avenue. Right. And if those, you know, if there's a student that's having, um, you know, trouble or, or, or with, with uh, um, you know, math, or, you know, they're just, you know, having some, you know, English language, you know, um, challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, you got your visual arts. You got a number of, you got your music. You got your visual arts. You got theater. These are avenues that students can express themselves that they, that they may not be able to do within the classroom. Right. And so it really bridges that gap. But, but there, is, there is definitely a hole when it comes to uh, budget and funding. Um, that the arts are the first ones looked at. On top of when some of these programs, which you you kind of noted, when you have these programs, um, the funding is so little to where the instruments are not at the top tier. Right. And how can you teach uh, a student, uh, you know, if the equipment is not working, how does he or she know that, oh, I'm not playing this note correctly mm-hmm. when they could be, but then they're fighting against the instrument. So right. there, there are challenges there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know what? Look at any culture as old as you want to go back. Um, the reason why they started understanding mathematics was two reasons. They wanted to understand the universe around them. So mm-hmm. the celestial kind of mm-hmm. stars, astrology, and they wanted to understand vocalization right the power of what is the timing of when we hear something like music right what is actually going on there right Mm -hmm. some of the first uh writings that you find is writings describing a party uh, describing Mm -hmm. a social event describing a religious event and all of these had sounds and what you could call music or proto music but the whole impetus for us to even go into the the you know the the more standard pursuits like science and math and English mm-hmm. and history. The only reason why we do those things is because when you when you study history, I teach history too. When you study history, what do you really want to learn about? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, people get so excited when I teach them about you know Beethoven's Fifth 
or mm-hmm. I teach them about Socrates' favorite song, right? Or I teach them about what music is like in 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 Sudan, you know, mm-hmm. in the eighth century BC. You know, they get excited about that because they say to themselves, "That's life, right there. That's yeah. that's 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 culture." You that's know, right. you, you, the bards, the bards in in different uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey, right? The story yeah. that tells you about the ancient Mediterranean before anything else is a mm-hmm. song, right? Yeah. It's actually meant to be sung. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I hope that there's some way we can, we can still preserve the music in schools and yeah. things like that. Cause it, it is, it's, it's so important. And, you know, um, you saw me kind of get excited when you said it's life, you know, those yeah. life experiences and making those connections. And of course, you know, it's a different time. So you can take Beethoven and still connect it to today. Cause that's the only way a lot of students are going to get engaged anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you got to make it to where they feel that, OK, how does this relate to me in this time today? Now more than and, ever, kids, that's the only thing they right, care about. Yeah, right, right. Right. You know, but it's just so important. And, um, you, you know, we, we have to continue, even if it's in a small space, to provide mm-hmm. those opportunities because, you know, it can definitely uh, help help some students continue to move forward. Definitely. All right, so I got to ask before we wrap up, um, yeah. your album is called Africa Rising, right? Yeah. So the album is very upbeat, in my opinion. Um, even a song like uh, Casualty of Love or Still, which is about kind of longing, still has yeah. kind of like a, a positive flow to it. Why do you choose the word rising? Did you did you think tonally throughout the album you're trying to say some commentary about the past, the present, the future? Well, and, and again, you know, our concept was to, you know, musically have the message of, you know, working together to empower and support that black excellence. Mm. And that's really pulling everyone up. You know, too many times, Justin, we go and we think about um, ourselves instead of holding your hand out and saying, hey, mm. how can I help? the next generation. Mm. And that, that comes in so many different forms. Mm. It can come in just building those relationships. Mm-hmm. It can come in, in education. Mm-hmm. Um, it can come in just being that role model of someone seeing uh, you play and say, you know, this is something that I want to get into. But it's, it's, it's really empowering, um, you know, those to really help and, and, and get engaged. And so rising, everyone rising up to, to that occasion. So, yes, you know, strategically from the musical concept, from, um, you know, even the thought that goes into each song, we really wanted there to be a really strong musical message uh, that can resonate with anyone. I, I always like to say from 8 to 80, Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that can be a wide range, but, you know, even uh, a 12-year-old can have a beat, even, you know, um, even if you don't understand the lyrics or if you don't understand what the instrumentation or the the instrumentalist is saying, Mm -hmm. you can still feel the beat. And that's why it's so important uh, for me as an artist that you can feel the music and not just hear it. Wow. Wow. Well, I want to say to our audience, I want to say thank you so much for uh, tuning in this this to this episode. I, it's, again, it's a pleasure to me to have Andre Ward on. Remember, we're better when we trend together. You can like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And I'm going to kick it to Andre for last words. Anything you'd like to say to the audience or uh, just to leave them with? 
Yeah, a couple of things. One, uh, thank you very much for this conversation. It was really, uh, I really enjoyed it and I look forward to coming back. So sure. please have me uh, back where we can kind of do an update. Uh, to the listeners, you can please follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Andre Ward Music, at Andre Ward Music. Because there is uh, well, a boxer that's Andre Ward, too. That's right. Yeah, that's that's right. right. And, and, and he's, he's, well, when he was fighting, he was winning. So I was right. happy about right. that. Right. Right. I didn't want him to lose. He right. was at one point a champion. Um, so, yes, at Andre Ward Music. Uh, and, you, you know, life is too short. So live life to the fullest. But please give those their flowers while you can. Yes, let's love each other and let's listen to this album too. Yes. I guarantee you, you will be in a very loving mood after listening to this album of of all things, all types of love. Remember, the there are so many types of love. The Greeks talk about four or five, I don't know, six, eight thousand types of love. So, um, Africa Rising, yeah, it's available on all um, uh, music streaming platforms. Um, if you still like hard copies and CDs, you can still get them. Uh, at Amazon, uh, if you choose, if you wish to, but yes. And are you touring? Are you touring the album? So we, we are in the process of doing a promotional tour. We're getting yeah. some dates together now. So I do look forward to getting uh, to your listeners city and looking forward to uh, keeping in contact with them through some of the social media platforms as well. Great, great. Well, when the tour does happen, we'll definitely post it on our online magazine and, and on the podcast and, and let people know. We just definitely got to support you. Well, I appreciate all that you're doing. Continued success uh, with the podcast, but with the book as well. You know, thank you and so much. I, and I learned a new word that I have to go and make yes, sure that yes, in my vocabulary. Yes, pastiche. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And remember, yes. the book is called "Reborn: Virtues Constellation." You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. It's on ebook too. Uh, thank you. Remember, we're better when we turn together. And thank you, trenders. <laughs>